What's up, Internet? You're tuning in episode 135. Nope, that's wrong. What's up, Internet? You're tuning in episode 134 of the podcast, and I did not mess up that number. Welcome back. <laughs> I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. Hello, Steve. You know? Oh my god, look at the glasses right now. They're just like fogging I th- like nobody's business. <laughs> I think they're fogging up because things are about to fucking heat up this episode, Steve. You know? Oh yeah. Last week I talked about it. I was like, you know what? We gotta have a slow news week coming. We're gonna finally have time to do a mail pod episode. And then Nintendo decided that it was the week to show off a brand new Nintendo Switch. The Nintendo Switch OLED model is here. We're going to be talking all about it in our main topic. It's taken up the whole news this week because while there was some other stuff that happened, this is the main event. There is a debate to be had. There are some questions to be answered, and we're going to we're going to just dive into all of it. And because I refuse to not be a man of my word, we are of course doing the mail pot this week as well. If you want to you write have said in that for like the last three weeks, but well, this week I promised everyone, I promised to Sobi on Discord that we would finally answer his email. You're right. So we're doing it. You're right. And and to be fair, I said that we would we would try. We would get to it. I didn't promise. I I'm promising you today. All right. Take that to the bank. We're reading your goddamn messages today, all right? And it's gonna be a good episode. Uh so before we get into all that. Let me tell you where you can find us. Of course, if this is your first time listening, we are the Potscast, where every lootpots.com's weekly video game podcast, where every week Steve and I get together and we talk about what we're playing. We talk about the news. We answer your questions in our mail pot segment, which you can be a part of by writing into me at Pete at lootpots.com. Going over to our Discord, where we've got an always growing community of pots heads just like you, having great conversations about gaming, you know, keeping up with all the cool news, helping each other find next gen consoles, all kinds of good stuff. It's a great little community. We hope you'll come be a part of it. Come chat with us. Come get your thoughts read right on the air like these fine folks did, and uh, be a, be a part of what we're doing over here. If you want to get some more content from us, you can head over to Loop Pots. Or, I'm sorry. Twitch.tv slash LootPots, where every Thursday, Steve and I are getting together and streaming some Primo video game footage for you. Last week, uh, I was streaming some Sea of Thieves with a bunch of the community members, and uh, it, it was a great time. Uh, we ended up getting raided uh, near the end of the stream uh, by my buddy Wizard Physics. Thank you so much for the raid. Uh, it was a great time. We had fun, and you know, we only killed Dan uh, at the very end. We burned the ship down wow. with, him, with him locked in the brig. Should- that's what we did the last time, but then I ended up being in the in the brink somehow, because when I got, I think I got mermaided back to the the ship, As and I just burning. spawned next to Danny, and I was stuck, and I couldn't get out, and the ship was burning around me, and it was horrendous. Yeah, that'll happen. And uh, I don't feel like I did anything wrong. I think I was a really, really good crewmate. No, I think you I just followed died. all my instructions. You did your best. <laughs> you just, you know, not everybody's gonna survive. It's tough out there. Pirate's life is not easy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a pirate's life, uh, we didn't check out that new um, Pirates of the Caribbean stuff, but they've added a bunch to the map, and they added something that made me genuinely uncomfortable. Uh, they added these... The uh, spider. No, but they're pretty bad. They added this enemy type called Sirens, and they're they're just like these very creepy-looking mermaids, and mm. like... They look weird, but the whole game is cartoony, so like nothing's really that creepy. But what happens is, and I learned this because there was a point where Dan uh, shot me with a firebomb, 
and I, I like fell off the boat and he jumped in the water and we started sword fighting each other under the water. Um, and if you stay under the water long enough now, if you stay above the water, the little thing that brings you back to the boat will still come. But if you stay under the water, these sirens come and there's this horrifying music that starts playing and you just hear them like, oh, like making these weird noises. Oh and then they just swarm around you and annihilate you. It's fucked up. <laughs> and it, it genuinely creeped me out. Like I even thinking about it, I'm like, oh, spooky. Such a like nice, like cute, you know, bright cartoony game. And then these creepy fucking sirens they added. I don't know, man. I don't like that at all. <laughs> and that's that's like a base game thing. It's not part of the Pirates of the Caribbean thing. Yeah. So the Pirates of the Caribbean thing is like a story that you can play through, whereas like they just okay. added a bunch of elements to the main map um, that are like brought over from that expansion. That's really cool. Yeah. But they they do a good job with nurturing this this game. Yeah. It's like got even... a like a very very quietly has become like a big thing for microsoft i think yeah yeah i i think i think like the more they've built into it and the more people realize like how much fun there is to be had uh it's like a perfect game for you know playing with a couple friends streaming like it's just a good time you know and like it's easy to just get in and play you know and not really like feel like you need to be working towards some major objective you know it's just like oh let's get some loot buy some new stuff keep playing you know but uh, anyway, let's let's jump into what we're playing. <laughs> Indeed. What have you been playing this week? Well, uh, I finished a little game called Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Um, I loved it, loved it, loved the ending. Um, I will say this: uh, my theory about where the 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 story goes from here is correct. I think. Um, okay, so you think there are sequels then? But I believe that there's definitely a clear roadmap for what a sequel would be. Yeah. Um, okay. Which they weren't going to leave it where they. I mean, they've built this whole engine. You might as well use it at least for a smaller game like Miles Morales if you're not going to go with the full size Ratchet and Clank sequel. My hope is that we get a point five game um, that's like about Rivet and. Um, and like, is it maybe like a shorter game where like you just play her, and like maybe it's like about her backstory, mm-hmm. maybe it's you know filling the gaps between this game and the second game, whatever. But um, I, I would definitely do that. I would I would be a hundred percent down for a little bite sized version of this experience. Um, but yeah, I I'm I'm very eager uh, to see what what they want to do with a sequel um, because I I feel like this game just like from a a, a systems level. It just feels so good. It's such a nice, like, loop, you know? Like, the combat is so fun. It's so easy and and fluid to move around the map. And, like, you always feel like you're in total control even when the battles get super chaotic, you know? Which is, I think, really the fun of Ratchet & Clank is, like, that there's an enemy in every single direction and you've got to do some crowd control and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's really just rewarding. Um, And it's definitely a game I want to go back and play again. I started a new game plus run um, because I'd really like to to go through and like get all of the um, the collectibles that I missed and you know like get get the platinum hundred percent it uh, because I'm I'm pretty close like there really isn't too much that I didn't do in my first playthrough um, so I think just running through 
on new game plus mode with all of the weapons totally maxed out and everything um will probably be a pretty easy run and an easy sell for me um but for right now um, i'm back on my mass effect grind i jumped back on on mass effect 2 um i got to one of the major story beats uh last Mm -hmm. night where basically you get there's this mission that you is mandatory at a certain point in the story where it's like hey like this thing's happening we need you to go deal with this and at the end of it you basically have the ability to be like okay do i want to go finish the game like i could go do the last mission but like it's very clear at least i think it's very clear that it's like you're probably not ready though right now like you could go do the last mission but like They've told you since the beginning this is a suicide mission if if you don't do it right. So, like, do, are you ready for it, though? You know, it's like that's kind of the tenor that it takes. Um, so while I'm I'm kind of officially at the halfway point, I still have so much to do. Like, I haven't done, yeah. like, I think I've done three of my character, of my, uh, like, companion's loyalty missions. So, like, I have to do the rest of them. There are three or four members of my crew I haven't even recruited yet. Like, I've still got... I'm still doing stuff. <laughs> I got plenty of time to kill before I'm ready to go uh, take on the collectors. <laughs> <laughs> just doing it at your own pace. I think that's probably the best way to play those kind of games. Yeah. Yeah, you want to just, just do your own thing, you know? Like, like uh, you know, I can see some, like, benefit in just you know blasting through the story if you're only there for the main kind of story i guess that makes sense but i think you probably lose some of what mass effect seemingly was all about which was you know getting those relationships building them up so you can kind of move on and see how the story changes and adapts depending on who you side with yeah that's the thing is i think if you're not doing those things you're not really playing the game right frankly like i Mm. I, you know and not to say that like I don't mean that in like a gatekeepy way, you know, like not like, oh, there's a right way and a wrong way to play the game. But it's that like you're not you're not give you're not letting the game show you everything it has to offer. You know, like if you're not going through the trouble of like deepening your bonds with the characters that, you know, that follow you through the trilogy or or the ones that, you know, um, that you get to know and then leave your crew, but have an impact on the galaxy after you've met with them, you know. Um, if you're not taking the time to do those things and develop those bonds, like, I don't know. I, th- I think your experience will be for the lesser, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's worth doing at least the the um, the side quests that are relevant to your, your supporting cast. Those are some of the funnest missions in the game anyway, you know? Most fun. Um, like, <laughs> some of those are, 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 are a blast, you know? Uh, like I, I just did the, the one for grunt and like, there's like a really super cool boss fight in it. And like, it's a, it's a great time. Um, so I don't know. I think, I think you definitely do yourself a disservice if you're not interested in, in exploring some of the side quests and like getting to know the world and, and the, the races and their planets and all that kind of stuff a little bit better. So how about you? What have you been playing? So I played three games this week. I finished off um, Tell Me Why. Uh, like, roll credits on that. I had a really good time with that game. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I do kind of now want to go back and play it. Having reflected on it, I want to go back and play it as a total knob and make the twins 
hate each other because oh, no. at the end of mine <laughs> uh, they grew a lot closer um and i want to do the total opposite i do actually really want to see how the the game changes and if there is like a an obvious change in in the way way the story ends or if it's just a case of the people are just you know slightly colder with each other it's pretty different <laughs> okay well i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to seeing that and i also really hope you replay this because i do want to do a spoiler cast and just talk i'll, about I'll replay it yeah we can replay it and do a do a like a yeah. game club maybe we'll do that like next month uh, this month's a little busy for me but <laughs> i think i think i could fit that in in august maybe and then i've also i i was looking for something and i put it on twitter and you responded that there just weren't any i was looking for something like Tell me why on Switch, so, because for reasons I've not been home that much this week, um, I've been out and about dealing with personal shit, so my Switch has been um, keeping me sane through this week. Um, I've been playing, so I decided, I, I first of all started with Breath of the Wild, I was like, I, I'm going to get back into Breath of the Wild, and I was in the middle when I ended my second playthrough of Breath of the Wild on Ravali's, um, you know, um, like mythical no, that's the dungeon thing yeah. yeah yeah that's the thing you get i was on like the flying bird thing okay and i completely forgot what the fuck i was meant to be doing so i i was getting increasingly frust- frustrated that i had absolutely no idea what to do so i abandoned that and i went back to link's awakening and i just decided to start again so i'd only ever got um three of the instruments when i when i stopped playing that game you never even uh, woke up the windfish <laughs> <laughs> i woke i got to the angulars um dungeon whatever okay. that one's called and i just stopped playing i i don't know why i don't know if something else came out or i i, I go back and listen to like october 2019's podcast if you want to find out why i fell off that game because i we, i know we discussed it and both you and pixel had absolute disdain for my just abandonment of that game yeah um but i've now got and you guys five. never let me forget about the fact that i was like yeah i beat this game when i was a kid you're like oh, oh yeah, yeah master fucking I pro fucking gamer over here how. I've looked up guides, but this time I seem to just be in the swing of things. Like, I'm just, I, I found all the items for those that weird, like, swap thing that you do. It's like, get the pineapple and then trade it for the this and then trade it for that and so then get you, some bananas. And Did you just pick up where you had left off? No, I started again. Wow, okay, so you're actually making pretty good progress. Yeah, so I started from, I started from scratch. I've, I've... Um, I'm now in, I'm on level six, which is the face shrine. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I've got one more key to find after this one and I don't know what else there is next, but I think there's, it says there's seven instruments, but there's eight slots on the circle. So I don't know what that's all about. I forget how that works. Hmm. But anyway, I just picked up the magnifying glass. So I know I'm going to have to do something with that. The last dungeon I did, I got hooked. The last dungeon I did, I got the hook shot, which is great fun. And I didn't realize how kind of Metroidvania those dungeons can be, because there's just places you can't get to unless you defeat the the boss. They give you the item that you need, or there's like a mini boss that give you the item that you need. And then you go back to the beginning, there's like a warp point, which I think are new to the remake, the warp points. I think you used to have to, on the Game Boy version, walk all the way back to the beginning of the dungeon. And go to the rooms that you couldn't access before because you didn't have like the hook shot, you didn't have the ability to swim or things like that. And 
I, I love this game. It's it's great. I, I can't get over. <laughs> I can't get over the fact that Link's just a scumbag who's just forgotten about his his the love of his life, Princess Zelda, and it's just like <laughs> she's like last. She's like yesterday's news. And how useless he is without anything. Like, he can't swim without flippers. He can't jump without a feather. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Who are you? Why can't you do these basic functions (laughs) of any being? (laughs) Look, you know what? You'll find out. There's a whole in-universe reason. (laughs) Well, I've just... uh, Yeah, I've seen, like, the thing on the wall uh, in the, like, ancient ruins... And then the owl was like, you have to, like, you know, come to your own conclusion as to whether this is true or not. And I'm like, well, you know, it's fairly fucking obvious it's true then, isn't it? You know. <laughs> uh, and then uh, um, while whilst I was playing that, I had also found a few other things. I picked up Mass Effect this week. Steve! <laughs> oh! Um, I can't believe you didn't bring yeah. this up when I was, ta- I was talking about Mass Effect for fucking well, time. you know, I want to keep it as a surprise. Wow! Um, I'm two hours into this, and right now I fucking hate it. Okay. And I just, it's awful. I don't understand why you have told me to play this game right now. It's dreadful. And I'm I'm sure I'm going to change my mind later on, but like, it just throws you in. And it's like, here's this system, here's this system, here's this system, here's this system. And you're like, what the fuck am I meant to be doing? There's like, People I've got to level up. There's these items I've got to do. It didn't tell me how to change my fucking weapon. And I was so confused looking at that stupid wheel. I thought, I'm trying to equip the shotgun. Oh, wait, no, that's fucking, you know, Sarah's or whatever. Or (laughs) Jessica, whatever her fucking name is. Ashley, that's her name. That's Ashley's (laughs) shotgun. I can't use that. Mine's at the bottom. And it's just, the UI is so clunky. It's not that complicated. It literally says it. the characters. It's like, oh, here's a picture of their fucking face and the gun that they use. Yeah, like, I'm in the middle of a battle, and I'm like, I don't want to use this fucking pistol. Why has it equipped me a pistol? And then I click the bumper to like change it, and the alternative it automatically equips you with is a fucking sniper rifle. Yeah, that's that's useful. I really want that. There's no like, yeah, every other shooter, every other console shooter uh-huh. on the planet ever made, you press the trigger, it auto aims at the next person. Why doesn't it do that? Why is that not here? And I get this probably in Mass Effect 2, but it's not in Mass Effect 1. <laughs> and it just makes it so cumbersome to do any of the fighting. You shoot them and they're like bullet sponges. You're like, I'm shooting you in the face like six times and you're not going down. My friends are shooting you in the face alongside me and you're still standing and I don't understand how you're still standing. You're so weak. I'm close to turning this down to like easy mode. Oh yeah, do that. I told you to do that in the beginning. I told I told you to do that before you even started playing. I said play Mass Effect on easy. Play the at least the original yeah. on easy cuz it's it's harder. Like it is more cumbersome. Like Mass Effect 2 does a lot of what you're talking about for you. Like um I turned on the auto level for the people cuz I don't care about them yeah. and I I've even got it on for me at the moment. But the I think eventually I will turn it off for me cuz I want to choose my skills myself. And you'll get to know them is the thing you know like because you're, you're still like learning like what are the like because i don't know at the beginning you don't have any of those abilities either right so it's like it's hard to know like no, i've got like overcharge on my assault rifle and like shield boost and that's the only things i've got yeah i hate that there's no ammo as well it's like i can only shoot a finite amount of times and then i've got to wait for the weapon to recharge which i guess is very much like destiny and they changed so that in mass effect too 
it, it becomes ammo right, based. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just I don't know why I don't like that. Um and every, I'm playing as a woman. Everyone, I mean, everyone in this game keeps calling her sir. I don't know if that's just a thing in this world or if it's just a glitch that it doesn't realize I'm playing as a female and Ooh. they keep calling her sir. It's so strange. I don't know about that. Yeah, that's weird. That's so I was like, ta- I was talking to Ashley when I got back to the ship and we were on our way to the, was it the Covenant? Uh, Yeah. yeah. So we were on our way to the Covenant and I was talking to her. And she was like, I don't know. Oh, thank you so much, Oh, no, the, the like, Crucible. The cru- no, is no, no, the no. Crucible? That's, that's later. That's what it's called in Destiny. That's later. No, what am I thinking of? Anyway, I'm, I'm going to the council, and I, you know, I went to go speak to them. So I got Oh, okay. I'm thinking you're thinking of something else. You're talking about the space station, the Citadel. Yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> Citadel. That's it. So I, I, went, I went there. I got lost there. The little mini-map's fucking useless. Like... It shows you nothing other than some dots. Like, there's no context it's, as to like which level I'm on or anything. It's so it's so funny because like literally every single thing that you're like, this is exactly what I went through the first time I played the game. Like the very like the first hour or two, I like, and I said this to you like when we talked about it. Like, I don't think that it does the rest of the game service because like the opening hour is very like you're on rails. You know, it's very like go here. Meet these people, shoot some guys, go over here, learn about this, mm-hmm. learn some proper nouns. And then when you're on the Citadel is really the last part of the game that is like as focused as that. Because you have to, um, there are two other crew members you'll meet there. And then you get your ship and they send you off and it's like, okay, go do your mission. And then at that point, you kind of have free reign to do whatever you want. And at that point, you'll also start to have some abilities, so fighting will be easier. But it's that so, would be nice. It's so funny because <laughs> uh, you would not have been able to get through the original version of Mass Effect, I think. Because uh, what if they change the leveling is is twice as fast in this game. Um, there are, I think, I think it's thirty two skill points in this. There were like sixty four in the original. So oh my God. I remember when I played it the first time. It wasn't until I was in the like on the second major mission of three before I was like, okay, I actually have powers that I can use now. Like I'm not. That's fucking awful. I just don't. I don't understand. At the moment, it just feels so clunky. I wish they'd have if they if they changed a bunch of Mass Effect two. I wish they'd have like backported it to Mass Effect one when they were doing these remasters. Like you couldn't have some of it. You just like you couldn't have without like they did do some of that like. The cover's a little bit snappier. There's, like, definitely things in it that they... Oh, the cover feels clunky at times. And I wish I could jump over the fucking thing as you well. Can. It's like... Oh, how? You press A twice, it tells you that. <laughs> I've never been told that. And it just shows you, like... That's the other thing. It just shows you... You go somewhere, and it's like, pause, wall of text. Read this before you can, like... And it's like, I'm not taking this in it's not like a modern tutorial where it would be like press pause and then when you're on the pause screen it would show you where to go you have to like absorb all the information it's like press pause go to the go to the journal click on this and figure out what you're doing and then like then you have to remember all that like where am i going da, 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 da. i quite like the uh what's it called the code is it the codex yeah. where you go in and you get all the lore that's quite cool and there's like that that guy that's like reading that's like these people the geth blah 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 something i am so obsessed with in bioware games from this era is like a, a good codex 
Um, mm. Like, I, I love how much... I love how much writing there is in these universes of just, like, hey, like, if you're a huge fucking dork and you're interested, we wrote the entire history of this world. Like, here you go. <laughs> yeah. Which is interesting that, like, Destiny, there was that... Um, there was that story that Destiny's hiring like a Destiny historian, so they're finally doing what, what Mass Effect was doing in two thousand and eight. Uh, and I feel like most games now. <laughs> oh shit! Well, I feel like most games now leave that up to the community. It's like, yeah. here's here's all the information. You can fuck off and write the wiki yourselves because we really can't be bothered to do it. Because it's like I don't know. It 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 speaks to a I think like a um a, a kind of like disrespect that seems pretty pervasive in in games design of writers and of like the craft of writing and story um obviously like you know story is not the most important thing in most games it's fine um it is the most important thing in bioware games or at least in these bioware games of this era mm-hmm. uh and- kind of changed in anthem and probably mass effect andromeda i i think playing this though just makes me want a modern version of this game it like definitely I wish, like like i said like two two weeks ago i wish it had, had the blue point treatment i really wish that they had like gone in and was just like right this mini map fucking sucks so let's replace that with something that's actually usable and let's have like waypoints because i i got down to in the the um the citadel i got down to that place and i didn't realize i had to like use the the like railway system to go to the tower it wasn't obvious that that's the thing that I was meant to be using. You don't have I feel to do like... that, though. There, there is a oh, way. Don't you can... I? No, you can walk around anywhere, but like the railway system makes everything way easier. Right. Because yeah. I'm confused because I went and spoke to the blue lady. I don't know. Her, I don't know her name. But she was like, she looked like she was in the blue man group, and. <laughs> You speak to her and she's just like, oh, hi, Commander, such and such is upstairs to the right waiting for you. So I went upstairs to the right and to go and see them. And it was the fucking room I was in and there was nobody in there. And I'm like, why are you sending me back you to went, the room you I went just the wrong came way. from? <laughs> I know when I keep going the wrong way. Oh, and the other thing I really wish there was a setting for, the field of view. It's like, it's so narrow compared to every other modern third person game you I've gotta played. stop bringing that up though you that's been your criticism of everything is like oh modern games it's like yeah it's like fucking 16 years old dude like you get that but i'm playing it as a game i bought in 2021 and i can understand that in the context like fair enough it's it's an old game but i'm looking at it and reviewing it as if it was a game that was released in 2021 because it is a game that was released in 2021 and i think on pc there's a saying for field of view i wish on the at least the newer consoles, PS5, Series X, Series S, there was like an option to like just increase that a little bit, get a little bit more real estate on screen. Because I feel like my person, and I also don't know if there's a setting to change the shoulder I'm looking over as well. Um, I think there Cause is. Because I know I can yeah. do, because I, I couldn't figure that out. Like, because um, I'm used to like pressing in the right stick and third third person games and it'll like change the shoulder yeah because i've struggled sometimes when i'm like, looking over cover and things to shoot someone i think there it's is sort a way of, like, to do i'm that. getting in yeah. the way i can't remember i don't ever really do that but i'm pretty sure there is a way you can do that i should probably look at the the tiny piece of paper that comes with the game with the controls we'll teach you everything <laughs> yeah there's like it, oh no it doesn't even give you give me mass effect one controls did they they change? Oh, it does. They changed their controls in all three games. Yeah, yeah. 
They iterate on it every game. Okay. <clears throat> like, I, I think that 3 definitely has, like, the best gameplay. Like, it feels the best. Um, just because it, it definitely learns every time. But they also change a lot of the key features. Like, there are, like, things in... Like, there's, like, the bombs that you can throw in Mass Effect 1. Like, those aren't a thing in 2 or 3. Oh, um, yeah, you throw them, and then you have to press X again to, like, blow them up, right? They're activated, yeah. You can, like... Yeah. You, they're at your... Um, your discretion i haven't mastered those yet every time i throw them they go too far and i press x and it's like oh that's totally missed them so i've given up with those i'm just going at them with an assault rifle most of the time i mean that that's not a bad you know whatever gets you through it's fine well until i get my skills skills and then i think i'm gonna do it but I, you know looking through these combat controls there's stuff in mass effect 2 that i'm i'm looking forward to the class power sounds fun that's one thing I don't think I got to choose at the beginning of the game was a class. It was no, just like, do. oh, do I? Do, oh, maybe I maybe I missed skipped over that. Yeah, you, well, you picked one. You picked whichever because um, it's either the like the biotic heavy one. There's the vanguard, which is like you use biotics, but you also use like a shotgun and a pistol. Then there's like the oh. weapons expert, where you can just use every kind of gun really effectively. There's like a few different um, options. I missed all of that. I just, uh, the my mind was just like, right, I can pick male or female. I'm John or Jane, and this is it. And then it was like, go. So I'm like, damn. So, so what soldier. I'm getting here, Steve, right, is that you're not paying attention, and then you're getting frustrated when you don't know what to do. So maybe just, just no, that slow creates down a little bit. The beginning, that, that creator in the beginning was like, confusing. It's and not confusing, I, 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 Steve. It, it's literally it not confusing. confusing. It's Pick, do you want to be the guy shepherd or the girl shepherd? What do you look like? What's your class? What's your backstory? It's like literally. Well, I didn't even get a chance to change the look. I must have like sped through that. Yeah, so I'm the dude, like woman. there's absolutely a. I look like. <laughs> you, you, you I look like Joanna Dock from Perfect Dark Zero. Okay, uh, that's great. I'm sorry that you don't like the preset character. Like you are, it's not my <laughs> it's fault not that you're rushing it. through. The Do you game. know, what? I probably would have, I probably would have picked the preset anyway because I, do, I don't know what any of it means. Like I, I, I'm going into the game blind. I don't know what you know, biotic heavy is or weapons this or you know. I probably would have picked the default anyway. It's what I always do and did in Elder Scrolls games. So it's just like, what's it giving me? Usually the default is pretty even across the board it's like you can have some of this and you can have some of this so i i'm the default and that, i'm not i've got no issue with that i just you know i i've been confused in places as to what i'm meant to be doing and it's mainly the map and the directions i'm going and there was one scene where what's his face dies in the field and it's like the the worst acting ever when he dies and um it like takes me out of the cutscene, but the camera's like span round to like look at me. So then I push forwards and I ended up walking straight back to where like the ship had dropped us down. And so I'm like, where the fuck am I meant to be going? <laughs> <laughs> and I, had no, I didn't realize that like, the camera had span round. And so I was just like, no, I've definitely been here. So I ended up right back at where I started. So I had to walk all the way back That's the funny. other way. <laughs> it, it, it's funny how often that will happen to me in games that are linear um, versus games that are non-linear. Like, I feel like I, I don't usually, like, make that same mistake. Like, I remember that happened to me a lot when I was playing Kingdom Hearts 3 where I would just be like, oh, I turned around at some point. I'm back. I gotta go the other way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've definitely had that problem. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like that 
is a problem in Mass Effect usually. Like I feel like it's very like clear because a lot of the places you go are like corridors, right? Like it's like you're on a ship. You're going down a hallway, right? And then it's like there are rooms, and as long as you are aware of, well, I opened this door, so I got to keep going this way. You know, like it gets easy to to keep in the the rhythm of it. But I definitely think um, what you're saying about about the Citadel and everything, like that's that's very much the experience that I was having with the game when I played it the first time, where I was just kind of like getting like turned around on the Citadel and not sure where I was supposed to go and everything. Um, and yeah, you got to just like take the time like to look at the map and if you're confused as to where you are just find the closest um fast travel point and then that'll take you to wherever you're trying to go um but it's funny because yeah like when i played mass effect the first time i played through the intro i got to the citadel and i put it down for weeks you know i picked it up again played on the citadel a little bit longer and i was like ah i just I don't like this part. Like, I, I know that everyone says this is the best game ever and you got to get past the intro, but I'm not liking this intro. Like, I don't like the Citadel. I'm, I don't want to be walking around this place anymore. And then I met the two characters I had to meet and got my ship. And then I was like, okay, we're off to the races. And at that point, I, I was into it. Um, so how many more hours have I got to invest until I get to that point? So I've just been to see the council and I'm about to walk up to tell them about this fucking poll thing okay. that I found and had a vision as to what's going to happen. Probably like I would say, a, I don't know, if you if you like do it right, you know, like if you like, you know, and, and if you need to like look at a guide or whatever, like get just get through this part. I think it's probably under an hour. Because there are, fact, I'm, I'm willing to commit to like two to three more hours before I go. Fuck this! This game sucks, and maybe skip to Mass Effect Two. But at the moment, um, I'm you're not allowed like to I skip. Said, you lost a bet, Steve. You have to. You like we. You have to commit to this process. If I cannot play these games, I'm not. I'm genuinely not going to. If if this game turns out to be trash, I'm not. I'm just. I know I'm never going to finish it. I'll tell you what. But, if you call this game trash again, we're going to have real problems. Steve. <laughs> we're going to have a professional right, right fucking now, though, problem. Right now, though, I think it's justified because it does feel stupidly linear. I don't feel like I've made any choices or done anything like that. All I've got is like the options to be really, really like submissive and like oh i'm so lovely da, da, da. normal middle of the road or i'm a complete fucking prick and oh soldiers die that's just what happens you know stuff like that and um uh, one of the options was like no thanks to you and i'm thinking wow just pin the fucking blame on the on it on his teammate if you dying. want to that's the thing you didn't like, pick that why would you do that I do like that. Like, that's what I was looking for. And that's what I loved about Tell Me Why. So I'm glad that shit like that is in here. That's and the I thing. Really that, that's the whole game, get, Steve. You gotta, that's you, what I want to get to that point. You got to just, just get past the intro. I, I'm going to. I'm going I'm going to get past the intro. I'm going to get off the Citadel. And then I hope that's where, like, the game opens up and I can really appreciate it. That's the point. But right now, I just, you know, I wanted to be honest. I wanted to let you know how I felt. And I'm glad that you shared okay. some of those frustrations that I'm experiencing when you first played the game. I, I didn't want to be a dick about it. But this game, right now, I just haven't had a good time with it. And I'm sure that will change as I play more. You gotta, you gotta just, you gotta get through this beginning part. I'd tell that to anybody. The beginning of the first game's not good. And the first game's the worst game in the trilogy. You know, like, that is, like, 
that's just facts as far as I'm concerned, right? Like two has a much uh, a much better rhythm. It learned a lot from you know I think what they do in the first game, um, but I I think it's like I definitely think you want to push through and get through this point and get to the part where you know um, the game starts building on itself because. There are characters and beats in the first game that, like, I don't think you want to miss. Um, but I think if you get to the point where you're really, like, banging your head against the wall, like, I think just turn it down to easy. Like, it doesn't, you don't need I'm, it. I'm going to turn it down to easy because the difficulty on this isn't, it, it's not, like, the difficulty is we make the enemies harder to kill their bullet sponges. That seems to be the only scale that they've got in terms of the difficulty that I've seen so far. I'm sure there's probably more to it than that, but the, it just seems to be the enemies are more takes... aggressive and stuff like that. The higher right. you turn it up, and yeah, um, I think the reason you're having that experience right now is like you're just you're you're low level, you know. Like yeah, you, I'm probably weak. I've got no skills. My weapons were like level one weapons. Yeah, I've got some like level two, level three stuff that I picked up in crates and things. I did like meeting people around the place, like hacking into the doors and stuff. And it told me that I, it would automatically do it if I had someone on the team that did something. And I'm hoping I can get that skill at some point yeah. to automatically hack into things. You can get so if um, you have somebody on your team that's a tech. Um, they can right. Do that. Okay, because I haven't got that at the moment. I I just had all soldiers. Um, so I presume at some point I'll get a, a tech. Yeah, I mean, right now you don't have any. You haven't met any new companions yet, right? It's just Ashley and. No, I went with I went with some guy. Well, I went with two guys. One of them died. We picked up Ashley. Uh, she was in like a really nice white suit thing. Right. And um, and she and you could have been you could have been a dick to her as well. It's like you could have been like you abandoned your team. Yes. Yeah, like, can, wow. Let's be clear. You can be a dick to everyone. If you want to be a dick, you you can absolutely be a dick. <laughs> I just can't do it. I feel I would feel so bad. Like she's she's there distressed. All of her teammates have been killed. She's the only survivor. And what do you go around and turn around and say to her? This is all your fault. You sh shouldn't have abandoned your team. It's what you like, fucking wow. get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's the thing. That's why I don't play Renegade. You know? If you play Renegade, you're an asshole. Is that is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it's called. It's Paragon and Renegade yeah. are the two uh Oh, I keep getting the like plus two something points for Paragon. Paragon is, is when you, it, Paragon and Renegade is the morality system. Yeah, so the the Paragon choices are you're a good guy, you're a nice guy, you know, you're a hero, whatever. You're a you're mm. a problem solver. Um, you know, whereas the Renegade is like you're rough and tumble, you're no nonsense, you're you know you're a boot through the fucking door. You know, like that's the okay, type of yeah. person you are. Um. And the way that I usually play is like, I would say like I'm 95% Paragon, 5% Renegade. <laughs> Every once in a while, you got to do it. There's a, a a system that they introduced in Mass Effect 2 that I really like where there's like um, in the middle of cutscenes, there'll be triggers that pop up and you can either like sometimes do a, a Paragon action or like a Renegade action. So like there was an example where I was like talking to somebody who was like brainwashed, right? And then a bunch of people with guns start approaching us and you can see that they're going to shoot and the Paragon option that comes up, you can do that and you like jump in the way and dive on this person and save them, right? And if you don't do that, they get shot. Um, but I had a Renegade Thanks option. I like the person. Well, yeah, right? That's the thing. You make that call. 
Um, and then I had a, a renegade option when I was playing last night where this character was talking shit to me and I just, and the renegade thing comes up and if you pull it, you just fucking headbutt him. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> Oh, I, I, I did. I did it. I must've done one of these. So like we were in some place and some guy had had his drugs or something or she gave them to him and they hadn't kicked in. So one of the options was like, I can shut him up for you if you'd like. And I thought she was going to say, I can shut him up for you if you'd like. She didn't. She just punched him in the face and knocked him out. And the woman was like, what did you do that for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, so that they don't have the trigger options in, in Mass Effect 1. But yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. Like you can you can pretty much make whatever, you know, you, you get a pretty good range of, of options, even within that kind of, you know, limited like one, two or three, like which option are you going to choose? You know? Um, mm. Yeah. But I will be playing more of it this week, and okay. we'll get we'll get through. Um, I'm gonna finish off Link's Awakening though. I really want to get to the end of that, and I kind of feel like I'm getting close to the end, level six with the face shrine. Um, but we'll see. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm miles away from the end, and I I don't know it because it sounds like there's some stuff to do after you wake the windfish up, which I kind of thought was the end of the game. I was just like, oh, I wake the windfish, I fuck off the island, because that's what the owl that's, keeps telling me. That's the real end. Yeah, like, th there, like, is some, like, odds and ends kind of junk that you can do, but, like, it's not really... I, I think once you beat the game, you're going to be done. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then once that's done, then it'll be, it'll be hopefully, playing sailing on, on Mass Effect... Um, I, the the other thing I had to turn off just before we move on to the main topic was the music. It was during that bit where I got lost and we were meant to be racing to this pole thing. I can't even remember the name of it. And um, the music was so droney and repetitive that I just turned the music all the way down. I was like, this is fucking awful. Bye-bye music. You're so... I've reset it now. Okay. It's back now. I was going to say, I, I was like, like you're music. killing me, because there's some great fucking music in Mass Effect. Great. I'm enjoying the music, but that one bit was like droning and horrible. It reminded me of when I've watched Macaulay playing GTA V, and there's these missions in GTA V, and it's meant to make you rush, and like it's, you know, it's like this is a sense of urgency that the music's meant to give you, yeah. and it's just so droning and repetitive that I just I hate it in that game as well. It's just something... In me that I despise, and I was glad that I could just turn it off for that moment and then turn it back on. So I did that, and and the music otherwise has been has been great. It's got that real sci-fi feel. Yeah, it does have a real like sci-fi feel about it. Yeah, and like there's like a lot of like like big, heavy, deep synths, you know, and like it's like very like fat and chunky. Um, I I love some of the music in Mass Effect. Like some of it definitely is very like little like beep boopy you know like it gets very like in that space so like if you're not into like atmospheric synth music um i could understand uh i could understand needing a break from it at times but um <laughs> yeah i i think that the music is is really good and it does a good job of like when it should be up front it's up front like there are some really like cool dynamic themes in mass effect but a lot of it is just like atmospheric you know and like exists mm -hmm. to like set up the vibe you know well anyway we'll talk more about it next week definitely big week for me you're playing two of my favorite games yeah yeah you know i i remember link's awakening was one of your favorites when i was playing it and i thought you were going to be happy about that and then you know mass effect arrived and i thought 
Pete's going to be really, really happy about that. Yeah, I mean, it was like I didn't even like have a chance to react to the fact that I was excited that you were playing Link's Awakening because you almost immediately were like, let me just say every nasty thing I can about Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you know, I really didn't want to dunk on one of your favorite games, but, you know, this this first two hours has been a slog. You just, And that's fine. Slog. I understand the beginning is a slog. It's it's I, It feels like you have an axe to grind a little bit, Steve. So I hope I hope you keep an open mind. That's all I'm saying. Definitely got an open mind. I like this kind of game, and it's the first time I've played like a a game like this, which feels like I'm recruiting an RPG party in a sci-fi setting. Well, I guess um, that's not true. I guess uh, the Outer Worlds is a little bit like that, but that that's probably why... that obviously builds a lot on this. That's why I liked Outer Worlds. I was like, oh, it's like Diet Mass Effect. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you recall when we were talking about that game, like, I loved that game. But my big criticism was I was like, ah, oh, I wish that there was more dialogue. I wish there was more. Yeah, the choices didn't mean nothing in that game, do they, really? And you don't really get to know the characters that well, you know? Whereas, like, you know, um, I I've mentioned this to you before. There's a, a character in the first game uh, who is, is one of your your crew members who ends up becoming uh, very important in, in the world of Mass Effect in two and three, but isn't in your crew anymore. Um, and like I was, when I was playing over the weekend, I got to the point where, where I got to go meet up with that character. Right. And like the first time you see that character, he like, you know, um, gives you this big hug and he's like, Oh, like my friend, like, it's so good to see you, blah, blah, blah. And like, I I'm such a sucker for like the depth of the relationships that they allow you to to have in these games. The fact that like you really feel like you get to know the characters mm -hmm. on, on a deeper level and that like because you, you know, were kind to them or or you know, learned about them and learned to figure out who they were and what's important to them or whatever. Um, that you end up having a deeper relationship and a deeper bond and stuff like that. And that it'll carry through, you know, not like just in Tell Me Why, where it's like, oh, cool, like, I made these two characters closer, and that affects the end of the game. That's great. Mm -hmm. I love that Mass Effect. It's like, oh, this guy was my best friend, so now I have a leg up in this social situation where I would have been treated like an outsider, right? Like, things like that. Okay. You know? I like that. And I'm presumably if you were to tell, tell Nob to him in the first game, He's not going to give you that hug. He's probably just going to, you know, be really cold and be like, what the fuck do you want? Yep. Yeah. And okay, if, you, cool. if you play your card super wrong, he's dead. Oh, <laughs> so, shit. Okay. <laughs> and uh, something totally different happens. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, you know, that's the stuff that um that I think that you'll you'll appreciate, you know. And I think I think like some of the the trappings of of it being an old game are stuff that like you've you've just got to give yourself enough rope you know if you give yourself enough rope to get past this intro to learn the rhythm of the systems a little bit i think you'll find yourself um having an easier time with the gameplay stuff and you can focus on the story stuff which is the stuff that you know um is really important yeah, I figured that was going to be the case. Like I said, I'm going to give it a good like six hours to hopefully try and get into it all. And I do me a favor a if you if you hit a wall, if you have a just message me. 
Like, I would rather you just ask me and I'll be like, oh, this is a simple thing. Do this. And then you'll know and you won't <laughs> sit there being like, ah, this fucking game isn't telling me what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> but I didn't want to like ask you everything up front and, and have like a, a false impression of what the game is like, you know, because you're looking at it with rose tinted glasses that you love this game and you, you know, you, you know what comes after I this recognize intro. it has flaws though. Like that's the thing is like, I know that I have, um, there is like some level of rose colored glasses for this game because I, I love it. But like, I'm telling you, like I had a bad time with it when I started it, you know, like mm. it, it, I had to fight through that. And I did that because I was a Dragon Age fan and I wanted to become a Mass Effect fan. So I'm hoping that you can use the, this is like Pete knows how good this gets and where it goes. Like just get through the part that you're, that you're frustrated with right now. Um, because I, I fully believe that this is the worst and most frustrating part of the game. And that after you get off the Citadel, it gets a lot better. It gets a lot easier to get in a rhythm with it and like you get to start making decisions about where you're going and what you're doing which gives you more agency and you're not like okay where am i fucking going like i gotta go to this nightclub now where the fuck is it like you know like it's, <laughs> I, I i get it you know um i think you know just give it a little rope to hang itself <laughs> mm. uh, uh, yeah i'm gonna i'm going to we'll talk about it we'll talk about it next week because okay. then we'll probably have a lot more to say sure uh, all right, so let's let's jump into the news. Fifty minutes into the show, <laughs> so uh, Nintendo has announced a brand new Switch model, uh, the Switch OLED model, and um, you know, big surprise, it was news on the internet from Nintendo, so people are mad. Uh, yeah, just dropped on Twitter again. Well, it was actually just dropped on YouTube, and then they tweeted out about five minutes later. It was so bizarre that. We got no kind of presentation about it. I mean, it's not that crazy, though, right? I mean, when you think about it, that's basically what they did with the Switch Lite. You know, it was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, there was a rumor about it, and then a video dropped on a, on Twitter on, like, a Tuesday. You know, and it was like, all right, yeah. it's out. Check it out. Um, So, I mean, I guess, where do you want to start with this? Do you want to go through the details do we want to talk about our initial yeah we, we should you know we should probably talk about the details and what we'll our impressions it. are so so i think everyone knows by now that the the main thing that's changed on this is the screen it's a seven inch oled screen compared to the 6.2 inch lcd uh and the kickstand i think is the other big improvement alongside the audio yeah it's a wider uh, like full back kickstand yeah. rather than the shitty little flimsy kickstand that you have on this the, the og switch if you've ever seen a Microsoft Surface tablet, it's very much like that. It's like the bottom half opens up like and it's folds got a, out. Yeah, yeah, it folds out. Actually, it's got a good, good amount of angle on it. I've got a. If you're watching on YouTube, I've got a tablet right here. It's like that, where like the whole thing comes out. And yeah, supports like the back folds of out. It. Yeah, which is great. And then huge upgrade the new there. Really, really big upgrade, and then the new dock, which is now in white and a lot more curvy, which would match very much up with the PlayStation Five. Uh, you're damn um, right, it's curvy. This thing is hot. <laughs> all right, like I'll fucking pay three hundred dollars for this white dock. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you don't even need to. You can buy the dock separately, and it includes the you know works with the existing Switch. So if it, that's all you want, it's the it's the fancy new dock with the LAN port. Then yeah, get that comes built in with the LAN port. You love to see that. You lose a USB port, though. It's just they replace the USB-A port, which was where I had 
for a while when I was playing online a lot on my Switch, the uh, my uh, USB like Bluetooth headphones when I was playing Fortnite a lot sure. on Switch, I had it plugged in there, but that's fine. I can just plug it. In, you know, you can just plug it into the side instead. I only use that to charge my Pro controller. Like I have the USB that it came with tucked behind my dock, and if I want to charge my controller, controller, I'll plug it in. But like. Whatever, I'd rather have the USB with the Switch Pro controller. That's like once every three months. That thing lasts yeah. forever. And you can also use the regular Switch charger to charge it, which is what I just do now. Is like because like normally I don't want to actually tuck my controller behind the dock because then I don't use it anymore and it just sits there. So I've started getting in the habit of charging it with the Switch charger and leaving it out on the table. And then the final upgrade has got sixty-four gigabytes storage instead of thirty-two on the the original Switch. Um, Pretty good. So, where where do you feel about this? It's three hundred and fifty dollars in North America. It's three hundred and ten pounds in the UK, and you know similar price euros or whatever your local currency is. Is it's basically a direct conversion from the US price. Yeah. So I um I would say overall I I feel uh, positive about this announcement. Um, I think. I got to say, I, I feel, uh, I guess I'm of two minds, I'll say. Personally, I'm disappointed. Um, I, I definitely was one of the people who, who kind of bought into the, um, the Switch Pro rumors, you know, and, you know, we talked a lot yeah, about... Yeah, I think, I think we both uh, drank a little bit too much of Bloomberg's Kool-Aid while we were yeah. reporting on it. Yeah, which is fine, you know, like, everybody guesses the wrong thing sometimes um you know we we bet on the wrong horse in that one we were wrong that happens that's okay um you know i think for me like uh takashi machizuki's reporting um in the past has been spot on with this stuff so you know i'm of the opinion that um where there's smoke there's fire on that one so i would say that either the upgraded plans that had been in place maybe either changed because of the pandemic or because of the chip shortage? You could shortage. see that. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, the pandemic and the chip shortage kind of go hand in hand, don't sure. they? It's very difficult for anyone to make chips. You've seen that just being able, trying to buy an NVIDIA GPU. Nobody can get their hands on one. It's like they announce these GPUs and then they just seemingly never go on sale anywhere. Right. Because they just can't make them. Yep. And and not to mention the, there are other, you know, like there are a lot of new pieces of consumer tech that are competing for some of these like sought off, sought after parts. Um, so there, there's a lot of factors at play that could that could be um, behind that decision. But there's also the chance that what he heard was something that's coming later and that this was coming before it. And, you know, I think that's where I kind of land with it. I kind of feel like this makes perfect sense as a, a parallel to like a DS light. It's, you know, the same console, essentially, in a slightly different shell with a nicer screen, which is exactly what the DS light was. And then they've upgraded the dock to kind of fit in. I think, personally, looking at it a lot with the PlayStation 5, it's like, oh, this really does fit into the same aesthetic. It's black and white. It's curvy. It's got I've that, seen a like, lot of that. Sandwich. I don't know. I Like, sure, but I, I feel like the idea that they did this because of that, I think is like, I just, I don't quite agree. Like, they're similar, but it's not, like, that similar. I, yeah, I don't think it's, but I just think that's kind of where the design ethos is in 2021 it's is more what i'm i'm trying to say it's like it's that curvy look that people are, are going for unless you're xbox and then you just got a black box but um 
you know, I'm I'm happy to see. I'm happy to see that they're selling the docks separately. It's the first time in the UK you've been able to buy the docks separately. Oh my god, I so forgot people, about that. If people want a second dock for their Switch, you can officially buy one now, and, uh, and it comes with yeah, it comes with a LAN port built in. Um, I'm I'm happy about it. I'm very disappointed though that they never addressed the Joy-Con problem. These are the same Joy-Cons that have been causing problems for everyone since launch, and. Like like you said, I'm disappointed. I personally was hoping for a Switch Pro. I don't think I'm going to bother upgrading just because since the pandemic, I've been playing very little handheld on my Switch because I don't work in an office anymore. I work from home. And as gorgeous as OLED screens are, you know, everyone's got one on their phone. They are a superior technology to these these LCDs that the Switch had in. I just don't think it's a big enough upgrade for me to justify spending another £310 on a console, even if I could recuperate some of the cost by selling my existing console, especially when you've got people like Jeff Grubb saying that he still thinks a pro model with an upgraded CPU and GPU is probably coming in 2022. I think I'm just going to wait out a year and and see how I feel about that. Yeah, so... Um, I guess to to wind back uh, and answer your initial question in terms of of how I feel about this announcement, um, I am disappointed. I I definitely wanted that Switch Pro. I wanted a bit of a of a increase in in performance and power, um, particularly before Breath of the Wild two. Um, I feel like you know the original game struggled to to run on that uh, that hardware in in handheld mode at the very least. Actually, I guess it was sometimes worse in dock mode depending on where you were in the on the map. Um, dock mode is worse for a lot of games and like we have Bowser's Fury that only runs 30 frames a second docked versus 60 handheld and like I've been playing Link's Awakening that runs at 30 frames a second but there's noticeable slowdown in every area um, presumably because of that uh, like tilt effect that yeah. they've got and the blur on the, the side of the screen mm-hmm. and everything yeah so I mean it's like I think it's clear that the Switch would benefit from from an increase in power um those are definitely things that I, you know, we've. I think part of the reason we bought in so much on that rumor is because we wanted it to be true, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, so that that's my personal feelings on it in terms of what it means for me as a consumer. Uh, I am on the fence about buying it. I think that I'm I'm in a weird spot because when I when I look at what you're the point you're making right now, like I generally agree in terms of I don't know that this is enough to warrant an upgrade for me. Um, However, I am still using a base, like a launch switch, right? And I pretty much exclusively play my switch in handheld mode. Um, There are maybe three games that I've played uh, docked at any significant capacity that weren't, you know, multiplayer games that are meant to be Mm -hmm. played in the dock, you know? Um, so like aside from the odd game of smash or whatever, or like when we're streaming, like if I'm playing by myself, I'm usually playing handheld mode. So the idea of this switch that has double the battery life and this better screen and, and all those things, those are things that I would actively benefit from. Um, so it, it does have me kind of considering it, but in terms of like the overall announcement, um, I don't really feel like you can make the case that this isn't a good move. Um, and I feel like all the people who are complaining about it 
to me, reek of the exact same kind of, of thing that we were kind of, you know, uh, critiquing when the Switch Lite was announced. Right where there was a huge contingency of people who were like, "Nintendo's so dumb. Why are they announcing this? Who is this for? No one's gonna buy this. This is just an inferior version of the Switch." And guess what? It's a bestseller. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's sold fantastically well. It is, as we said at the time, the perfect console for a child. It's the perfect second unit for a family. It's this. It's that. It's this. It's that. Right? You look at this Switch. It's the same argument. If you're somebody who didn't buy a Switch at launch and you haven't bought one yet and you've been on the fence and you've been waiting for the price drop or the remodel or what have you and you finally bite this holiday, you're going to go for the Switch OLED version, right? Why wouldn't you go for the slightly better version that's $50 more? Most people are going to are going to make that that choice. And I think if you aren't that person, and maybe we start to see maybe not like from Nintendo a price drop, but like retailer sales on the the base Switch. You know, uh, we we've have- actually already seen that in the UK. It's gone down at least twenty pounds at a couple of the retailers this week. I've seen. There you go. Be- be- because I think the name in OLED model in the parentheses, I think, definitely suggests that this is a replacement eventually for the original Switch. At least in my I eyes, I agree. They're, they're going to phase out that old Switch, and it makes sense for them too because this is fifty dollars more. And then every Switch they sell from then on, they get $50 more in their pocket. But I actually do think that $50 is a really good deal. You not only get uh, the better screen, but you get double the internal storage. Which is, you pay that on, you pay for that anyway. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I, I, like, I feel like, you were buying a Switch, you are probably going to get a, at least a 32 gigabyte memory card to go with it, store some games. That's costing you maybe $15, $20 anyway. You don't have to buy that now because you've got the internal storage boost. And you made the point about the LAN adapter. That costs $30. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're someone that wants to plug into the, to the LAN port, you've got that included as well. So I actually do think it's a really compelling price point. However, I can see why some people are a little bit disappointed that it's not the Switch Pro. I can also I've also seen some people and I made the comparison myself talking privately amongst some people is that compared to other consoles on the market, specifically in the Xbox Series S, this does start to look a little bit expensive for 2016 tech because the Series S costs $250 and this is $100 more for technology that essentially has not changed since 2016. It's 300, isn't it? Uh, It might be 300, but it's 250 pounds, sorry. Um, So you're looking at spending spending 60 pounds more in the UK, sorry, to, to get 2016 tech versus brand new tech but i also get that this is a very unique piece of hardware it's a handheld console at heart that docks to become a home console i think that's the thing for me is that like yes uh, i don't know i guess to me this comparison makes the xbox series s look like a better deal not make this look like a worse deal yeah, opinion. the Xbox Series S, I think, looks like an incredible deal, especially when you chuck a $10 Game Pass subscription onto the thing and you've got a, a console that can play the top-notch 2021 games That said, though, $250. the Xbox Series S price point is, a, is incredibly uh, misleading, I think. I think it's deceptive. Um, and I think it's a good business move, move for Microsoft, but I actually kind of am surprised that there isn't more critique around it. Because, like, I think it's incredibly disingenuous to say that that console costs $300. Because if you buy that console, uh, the internal storage on it is barely enough to have two games. 
if one of especially if, if one of those games is Call of Duty Warzone, which is like one of the most popular free to play mm-hmm. games that the ideal casual consumer who wants to buy this console would pick up anyway, um, they need to buy expanded memory like day one anyway, and it is going to yeah, balloon I mean, that you cost. Know, at least the option and if you're, is there. Well, yeah, yeah, and but I'm just saying, like, and if you're paying for Game Pass, that's a hundred and twenty dollars that year that you also spent on games. So, like, yeah, but you know, look at Switch. You've got to you've got to spend sixty dollars for a single game on Switch. You've got to buy an SD card to to get you don't, some. Like, not on this one. But you did, you did originally. Like, if I want to install uh, LA Noir, which has a six gigabyte download or something, or a, a ton of other games require yeah. online downloads. Doom Eternal, for example. Um, I had to buy expandable storage because you run out stupidly quick. Yep, and, and they didn't even DLC, have a cloud solution at first. You know, no, so. there, yeah, there was no cloud solution or anything like that. So, I I do think that that maybe when you add on like the the Game Pass subscription and the external drive and all of that stuff that you need to get, that maybe it does get up to a similar price point as this new Switch. It's more expensive. I I do still think it's a a great deal, and for people who don't necessarily want to play handheld I, I would say and and on i think the biggest draw to nintendo is nintendo's games and if you're if you're listening to this podcast you probably want to play nintendo's games and that's the reason you buy a switch but if you for some reason don't and don't care about zelda don't care about mario don't care about metroid then maybe an xbox is a better solution for you that's all yeah. i'm that's all i'm saying oh and, and that's the thing is i'm not I'm not sitting here saying that that's a bad deal or anything like that. I'm just trying to contextualize it in that, like, mm-hmm. it's not just $300, right? Um, and, yeah, and I think that the point you just made is a, is a salient one. If you're someone who mostly plays docked, this provides nothing for you, and there's no reason for you to buy it. Um, so, you know, I, I'm hoping that the rumors of a Switch Pro model that, you know, does have a little bit more power under the hood that is, you know, um, something that, docked players can benefit from is is on the way and the belief that it is is the primary reason that i am on the fence about buying this because if i buy this and the next year there's a new one and i actually want that i'm going to be pretty annoyed Um, well someone made a great point in comparison back to that ds Lite that they announced the ds Lite and then six months later the dsi came out mm -hmm. so if they do something like that here and the same with the, the the 2DS. You know, the 2DS came out, we thought, all right, okay, this is, you know, where they're going with it. They're dropping 3D. No one's really bought into that gimmick. Then the new 3DS XL came out the, like a year later. So and I can very much XL. see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I can very much see them just riding this wave. And anything they can do to keep this price point high, that's what they're going to do because they've not once dropped it. Now, really, this if this does become the base switch, it's had a price increase over the over the last five years, and if they can then increase it again with a Switch Pro model, then you can you better believe they're going to do it because why wouldn't you from a business perspective? Yep. And you know the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that price cuts come uh, when console sales start to s- stall, and the Switch's mm-hmm. sales have never stalled, which is why it hasn't had a price drop. Um, because it's that shows that the market thinks that it's priced appropriately, which makes no sense why the Wii U never got a price cap. But you know that's Nintendo. That for was you. a whole other thing. 
<laughs> they were ready to just cut their losses on that son of a bitch. They're like, I think, I think the the probably the reason you don't price cut that console is because you don't want people to buy it at that point. You're like, fucking save yeah, your money. Like, we got, just, we got the stop. the new freshness is coming in like six months. All right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I think this is a great move from Nintendo. I think it's it's a smart decision, and it's it's definitely a console that I'm interested in. I guess it's just a matter of by the time it's actually ready to be picked up, do I feel like you know? I don't know. Am I ready to pull the trigger at that point, or am I am I willing to wait another year and see what what happens? You know, because I could always if they don't announce the new model, I could always get the Switch OLED model later. So I don't know. Yeah, but then you are really risking like, oh, is this going to be like super close at that point? I know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I might get it for myself just so I can talk about it. We'll see. <laughs> we, uh, do you know, I, see. Like, I really, really do want the OLED screen. It's just that justification of, you know, I don't, I don't need it. Like I said, I play mainly docked. It would be nice. But, yeah, I'll let other people, people take the hit like you. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. All right, so I'm sure we'll have more to talk about on the Switch OLED uh, as it gets closer to me being able to spend a ridiculous amount of money on something I don't need. But uh, before that, uh, we got plenty of questions in our MailPod segment, and I promised you that we would get to them. (laughs) So guess what? We're getting to them this week. I don't care if it's a long show. I'm answering every one of these questions. So let's dive right into it. This first one comes from Olaf. Uh, one of our Discord members who wrote in and said, "What boards do you hope are uh, do you hope are the final two ones in Mario Party Superstar? So, what are the two boards we we hope for that will be added to Mario Party Superstar? Because I guess we've already seen what three of them. We've seen Peaches, Birthday Cake, and Space Line. We've only seen two, okay. and I think they've said there's four. Okay. Uh, so what do you maybe think? Maybe there's three. No, I think there's three more. Actually, I think there's five boards. I I don't know which ones they're gonna pick, but we haven't seen one from Mario Party three yet, and I kind of would like to see Waluigi's Island come out from that That's one. That's a good I think one. That, yeah, that one's got quite a lot of room on the board and like places you can like transport to and things like that. And then DK's Wait. Jungle Adventure because we haven't seen any Donkey Kong representation in Mario Party for way too long. But I don't. I genuinely don't know about the third one. I mean, maybe that Bowser one from. From two. The original Mario Party. Oh, I thought it was all two and three, they said. Uh, no, it's, it's, isn't it all the um, the Mario Kart, uh, like the, all the N64 ones? Because Peach's Birthday Cake is from the original Mario, Mario Party. It's just okay. all the N64 okay. game, uh, games. Cool. All right, I, I wasn't sure. Um, unless they unless they do ones from like GameCube or another generation. No, of they said it was just N sixty four. You're definitely right about that. I thought it was just Mario Party two and three, but it might just be the whole trilogy. Um, so, and you said that they've already confirmed Peach's uh, birthday cake and then Spaceland, right? Yes. So I think for me, I I really love Horrorland. Um, that was always one of my favorites. Uh, Western Land is really good too. So you're a big Mario Party 2 fan, though. Mario Party 2 is my favorite, yeah. I, yeah. I like Mario Party 3 a lot, but um, th- 2 was always my my favorite. If we were going to go with ones from 3... Hmm. I mean, Waluigi's Island is a good one. I like the Deep Bloober Sea as well. I always thought that was a fun okay. one. Any of those, really. I mean, it, in reality, Olaf, what I'd really like to see is all of the boards... 
Um, I would too. love for them Just to have like DLC. Like an it's all here thing, you yeah. know, like they did with with Smash Bros. Yep. Yeah, and like let I'll pay for it. Even I'll buy extra boards. Give me all the the mini games mm-hmm. as DLC. That's fine. Um, I'd be I, happy I, to. I think that's probably what they're gonna do now, right? It's like now buy the GameCube pack and buy the DS pack and buy the buy some more boards from the N sixty four. I hope so. I think that would be brilliant. Like if they gave me a N sixty four part two pack and it was the rest of the content from the N sixty four games, and then here's GameCube pack one, GameCube pack two. Like that would be great. I would, I would, I would be over the moon for that. I think that would be mm-hmm. the ideal Mario Party game. Uh, and then we had another question from Olaf who said, from the off-topic board, let's say you could travel to the U.S. anytime soon. What are some beautiful places there? So I guess this is more for me saying, like, what places in the United States should you visit? Um, so I have not seen uh, the American Northwest, um, but I have been blessed to go to most other places in the country, at least to some passing level. Um, I think for all the things you can say about my country uh, that are negative, of which there are many, there is a lot of really natural beauty uh, in, in, the, in the nation. And because it's so big, there's a lot of variety. Um, so in terms of like what are some beautiful places, like I mean, uh, standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon is one of the most memorable experiences I've ever had. Um, it really, really makes you feel small, um, but in a the world is big and beautiful kind of way, not in a I'm insignificant kind of way. That was my, <laughs> my feeling anyway. Uh, driving through the painted desert in Arizona is gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful landscape. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen growing up in the the, the Northeast. Um, such a different vibe, you know, like you're so used to these big trees everywhere and less sky and it's like totally open sky and these incredible colors it's it's beautiful um uh, you know aside from that uh we've got like yosemite national park where it's that's the moon of endor so if you want to see giant 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 like thousand year old trees it's incredible um you know yeah there's 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 so much here that's i think beautiful to see uh from a natural perspective uh, and then from the the non natural perspective, I mean, I think I think we have some some really great cities that are worth uh, visiting. I think um, obviously New York City is is probably the most famous um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, I definitely think you'd want to stop in New York and and see it. You know, um, breathe it in. Uh, I think similarly, uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco are both are both really cool cities to visit. Uh, you know, I love Philadelphia, uh, greatest city in the fucking country. Um, yeah, uh, lots of great places. If if you are planning a trip to the U.S., any of our international listeners, and you'd like a more, if you'd really like me to give you some suggestions, I can I can do that. Um, depending on where you're planning on traveling, and based on where I've been and everything, I can certainly advise you on places to go in the American Southwest. Um, because I did it, and there's some really cool shit to see, and some great food to eat. Ooh, one last place I'll call out is New Orleans is one of my favorite uh, cities in, in the country. Um, it's beautiful, filled with music, filled with great cuisine. Um, and if you're European, the architecture will probably not be as cool to you because it's <laughs> based on European architecture. Oh, it's similar, right. Yeah, very inspired by yeah, – there's like a lot of the like the French like hanging gardens and stuff like that. Like it looks super different here compared to everything else, but might be a little bit more familiar if you've been to, you know, if you've been to France. <laughs> 
All right, so this next one uh, comes from One Up Mango, who wrote in and said, "What's a game genre you've been interested to try out but haven't gotten around to playing a game of that genre?" Hmm, it's tough. Like I've thought about this, and I kind of feel like I've played a little bit of everything. Me too. Yeah. In my time, um, I don't know if I've ever played a MOBA though, and I know we've spoken about that before. Like. Maybe I should just get into League of Legends and just go for it. Steve, oh my god, that's dangerous. If you get into League of Legends, I'll I'll do it, man. Like I'll get back, I'll 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 inject that shit right back into my veins. <laughs> I don't And then the other thing I was thinking was like uh MMOs. Like I've never got into one. I've tried some, so yeah. this doesn't really count to answer the question, but like I've never had the time to invest in one. So I would love to just have so much free time that I can really immerse myself in an MMO. Yeah, that's the thing is like, I think the parameters of this question, I feel like kind of time me out because like I've tried all of them, you know, like I think I've tried every genre um, that I have an interest in, right? Because the question is that you're interested to try, not that like mm. what genres have you not tried? Um, but even that, I don't really know that there's an answer. You know, like I, I think I've tried every kind of game under the sun to some degree, and you know, I'm fine. I found something to like in almost every genre. MMOs are really the only one that I've I've never been into an MMO. Like I I play World of well, Warcraft. I'm, I'm, I'm Metroidvanias. That's true. I also don't really love Metroidvanias, but it's it's interesting, right? Because when you get into the like, you know, what makes a Metroidvania? Right? Like, does does a Metroidvania have to be 2D? Because if not, then, like, I mean, I like Jedi Fallen Order, and that had elements of Metroidvania. That is a Metroidvania. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's, like, it's not a hard, fast rule. Like, there are genres I definitely gravitate toward, and some that I don't like as much as others. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I generally find something to appreciate in every genre to some degree, you know? But MMOs, I've never, I've never gotten in on one. I've tried a bunch. Like, I played WoW for a couple years. I tried the Warhammer one that was going to be the big WoW killer and then, you know, fell off right away. I've played, like, Maple Story and some of the, like, you know, free, like, more indie-type, you know, MMOs. And games like that just require too much... Um, yeah, way too much. Like, the dedication. closest I ever got was Destiny. Yeah. And, like, you play with a bunch of friends who are, like, big into it. Next thing you know, you've not played for a few days. And they're and all they're miles ahead of you. Like they're gone. And that's you what happens. Just can't to me. play with them anymore. Yeah, that's what happens yeah. to me with every one of those games I've ever tried. My click of players gets past me, and I'm like, "Cool, I'm done." That's I don't I don't have the desire to catch up. Um, and the reality is that you can't because if they're all playing that way, they're always going to be advancing. And if you're not willing to put in that same amount of time, you're never going to keep yeah. up. So it's like for me, it's that kind of game never speaks to me. Um, that's the easiest way to turn me off to a game is, ah, it's always on. It's a persistent world. There's loot. There's, it's like, no, no, that's fine. Bye. So this is a, this is a very interesting question. This one comes from that doc guy, uh, over on the discord who wrote in and said, what do you consider the golden age of video gaming as a whole and why? So I've, I, I think about, I've had this debate about movies and TV and I've never had it about video games, but the, the conclusion I always come to is the golden age is always now. You look back on things with nostalgia 
and nostalgia clouds your vision often and you go back and you play some of those games and they're not as good as you remember or you watch some of those TV shows and like Fatty Rock and how they're really problematic and you can't appreciate or enjoy them anymore. Thanks, Sorry, Pete. bud. <laughs> and uh, so I kind of feel that now is the golden age of video games and especially when you consider like how far technology's come, how accessible games are now to everyone. It's not just a restrictive you know, niche medium that only certain people who are really into tech are into. It is the biggest form of entertainment on the planet and the biggest entertainment industry. And I think that's awesome. And with things like Game Pass, you can, anyone can access it for a relatively low cost. We're about to go into an era of cloud streaming accessibility for people. And, and I just really like that. And when you talk about, when you think about the games, there is something for everyone now. Yeah. It's not like, say on the SNES, like if you didn't really like platformers or adventure games, maybe there's not a lot for you to play there. Whereas now, if you don't like platformers or adventure games, there's tons of other things you can play. And I, I really like that. So I, I think, I think that's a strong um, argument. I think I think I'm going to get a little bit like weird about it because like I I think you can argue that we are in a golden age of video games right now. I think that's safe to say. Um but I think if you want to get like really nerdy about this question, right? Like uh the the term golden age is usually applied to specific times in in a uh so, okay, the historical context of Golden Age, right, is like the Gold Age of, of Greece. As a metaphor, when it's applied to like art forms or mediums or whatever, um, and this, this here's the definition, this is pulling from the Wikipedia page, it says it's often described to the years immediately following some technological innovation. During this time, writers and artists ply their skills in this new medium. There are golden ages of, of all these different things. Uh, during such a nascent phase, uh, the technology allows new ideas to be expressed as new art forms flower quickly into new areas. So to me, I would argue the, gold, the golden age, if, if there is such a thing, of video games has definitely already happened. Um, because generally, the way that you would... Because like... To, to borrow from something else I know a good amount about, right, comic books. The golden age of comic books is looked at as, like, the 30s and 40s, and it was when the concept of the American superhero and, you know, the kind of distribution channels of American comics and all the things that, you know, are in some shape or form still exist today were all born at that period. And then there's the Silver Age, which is when, like, Marvel came on the scene, and Spider-Man came on the scene, and Fantastic Four came on, and new types of stories in that genre were told, and it evolved in a different way. And so, to me, if you really want to boil down, like, what is the golden age of video games, I would argue it's probably the NES. And it's, it's probably that period of you're coming out of, you know, the golden age of arcades has already come and gone. The video game bubble bursts, mm -hmm. and then Nintendo comes out and and revitalizes the home console, and is the the first not the first but the first widely successful of its type of this kind of console. Right of okay, this is a console from Nintendo, who is still one of the major players today. Where all pretty much all of the other major players from that previous period, that kind of proto. P 
period, the pre-Golden Age of games, are all dead and gone, right? With rare exception. Well, Atari, ColecoVision. All of them, right? Uh, they all fell away. In the UK, we, we had Sinclair. Yeah, and those were all important players. They were all proto, you know, uh golden age stuff though that's like the that's the pre real golden age stuff in my mind that's the foundational work of hey this video game thing what's going on with this right it was in the nes era and and you know um and and maybe you could argue that extends into the super nintendo sega genesis era that you know the 80s really i think that that's the golden age because that's when we dis we kind of developed the the you know, the rhythm of how games are still made and produced, right? You have a, a, a console holder who makes their exclusive games that, you know, push the platform. You have licenses going out to all these other, you know, third-party developers who are creating, you know, uh, pieces of, of software for this specific, you know, hardware system. And you saw a huge expansion of genres from the NES to the Super Nintendo, right? That was when we saw the development of, you know, the RPG. Uh, the the platformer became what it is with Mario, right? Like, we had, um, you know, the the expansion. And again, not the development, but the the really, I think, the, the coalescing of a lot of, like, sports titles, you know? Like, you started to see a lot of the genres that we think of today uh, have their first ever entry at that point, you know? And start seeing this explosion mm -hmm. of new creators, new genres, new new ways to explore well, yeah, the I art mean, that's, form. You, you, when you think about two of the genres today, they just reference games from the NES era. Metroidvania and Roguelike are just ways to explain games that are similar to Metroid, Castlevania, and Rogue. And we never came up with a better word for, for those games. So I guess, that, I guess that makes sense. I do also think we probably had a second golden age in the xbox 360 era when indie games and indie development became way more accessible by publishing on the xbox arcade and publishing on steam and being able to make those games yourself that technology got opened up to more and more people it was more and more accessible you didn't need to have these licensing agreements and things like that that the big publishers had so i think we had another one there yeah or you and could argue that that's having the silver another age. one now Right. That like that's the Silver yeah. Age and maybe this is the Bronze Age then, you know, and that like it is that we're, you know, it, it the the Golden Age is always the Golden Age. Right. And I think people say a Golden Age to me. That's a great time right now. It absolutely is. But mm -hmm. I think if we want to get into it and kind of break it down in that way, I think that's you're totally right. That was another huge explosion of new genres, new, you know, price points, new delivery systems, all those things totally revolutionized the way people bought and played games. And it led to a huge uh, era of artistic exploration um, that we're still kind of feeling right now. You could argue that that's still going on, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Great question. Great, great question, question, though. That was a yeah, really good question. <laughs> Love that question, Doc. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's close things out with uh, just a uh, just a whopping email, a whopping email. Uh, three, the patented three question formula returns from one Mister Asobi, <laughs> one of the longest, longest, long time listeners of the show. So Asobi writes in and says, "Pots heads assemble." Hey there, Pete and Steve. Here are my apparently patented three questions for this week. <laughs> I love it. Number one, what is your dream game? 
With that, I don't mean a sequel to a game or something that already exists, but instead, if you could choose a developer and tell them a new original game that you would want them to make, what would it be? What genre would it be? What main features would it have? Etc. Mine would probably be something in line with an open world sandbox from GTA, but overly and kind of stupidly realistic. For example, if you let a phone tower explode in that game, the affected area, including you, would have no service on their phones and can't make calls to start a mission, for example. In general, it would be a city sandbox where wherever you, where whatever you are trying to do, the world would react like it would in real life. And I think that would be my dream game, just because I'd never get bored of the dumb stuff I could try out in a realistic game sandbox like that it's a really cool cool game i like the sound of that that's what we we spoke about before i think it's those um i can't remember what they're called it's referenced in jason's book all the time they're like immersive sim, sims? sim things immersive sims we both like buy into those so much it's why i love hitman so much is that it has stuff like that yeah in and i love the concept of i can take down the cell service watchdogs was like that you know you would hack the cell towers in the area and no one would be able to do things so you can jam their phones i love i love that concept it's really cool um this question though i struggle with it's the reason i'm not a game developer and a game designer um i've spoken about it so many times i've realized over the times i enjoy playing games but i'm not very good at making games and it's why i never buy like dreams or the uh, game yeah. builder garage because i suck at making games and coming up with ideas i have a loose idea you know i would want to make a narrative driven game because i find that those things are what i align with most but then on the other hand i like stuff like animal crossing and like um sim games like that so uh, maybe it's a life sim with some narrative in um uh, other than that i can't really say what, what i would do while i'm answering fix your camera again it's doing that thing um, I think for me, it's like, if we're going to just describe it in kind of broad strokes like this, it's pretty easy for me to describe, I think, what my perfect game is. Um, because I, when I boil down, like, what are the games that I love the most and what are the things that I like the most in them? Uh, I like RPGs, right? But I don't like stupid deep RPGs, you know, like there needs to be things that keep them from getting like spreadsheety. Uh, is the way that my friend Andy and I always describe that kind of RPG. Um, I'm not, I don't like that, you know? Um, I, I want there to be deep strategy. So, so what, you, what you're saying is you're not a Dungeons & Dragons fan, and that t-shirt is really disingenuous. <laughs> no, see, that's the thing, though. I love Dungeons & Dragons, <laughs> but the spreadsheet part is what the fucking Dungeon Master does. I like yes. the telling the story and making choices. And that's the big thing for me, is at the end of the day, the thing that will most make me fall in love with a video game is the ability to make choices and feel like those choices matter, right? Um, I think at the core for me of of gaming is Dungeons and Dragons. That's what I want is a real life Dungeons and Dragons experience, and not necessarily having to be set in a fantasy world. But I want a world where I get to role play a character who feels as authentic to the kind of character I want to be as possible. So, like, what the Outer Worlds did, I loved. That your character is not voiced, so you have more dialogue options. And that what options you have to tackle a, um, a problem come from how you've built and grown your character and your companions. So that's where the immersive so, so sim element comes in for me. Where I want 
to be able to be whatever character I want. I want to be able to choose the skills that I have, and I want the skills I have to affect the way that I that I interact with the world. And I want to have different options based on who my friends are, how I treat them, how I build my skills, what I've learned, what I've experienced, all those things should influence the way I make decisions. And when I make decisions, they should have permanent ramifications. So Mass Effect or Disco Elysium is what you want to make. Yeah, but but I want to I want to grow on that is the thing. Yeah. Like I want I want something with the depth of narrative and choice. Uh, well, I, okay, I should say I want something with the depth of narrative of Mass Effect of like a 50 plus hour AAA game that you hopefully play over a trilogy, right? That is ideal, I think, as a framing device. I want the level of character development and choice that's provided to you in a Disco Elysium or in a Outer Worlds, you know, that is more pen and paper, that doesn't maybe need to have a voiced character, or if you do voice the character, you know, spend the fucking money and give me ten options every time instead of three. Like, I want that, you know? And I'd rather have no voice and have more dialogue options than feel like I'm limited in that way. I, I I never want a voice in an RPG. If I'm playing a protagonist and I'm being that character, I want to read it and I want the choice I make, the text. I I want it to make it seem like that choice ma- like let me start again. I want that choice that's written on the screen actually to be that, that kind of exactly. Yeah, not yes. not like I say something and then they say something different like in my mind it's got to match what the text says yeah and i want a companion system i want something that has the level of depth of the social systems that you see in like a mass effect or a dragon age and persona 5 but like less uh binary because i don't i don't like that about persona 5 social system as much as i love the the social element of that game i don't like how it's very like Spend time with this character and you binarily like in, you know, and like you can say the wrong things and not advance your relationship the way you want to. But it's basically like you're friends or you're not right. Whereas something I really liked in Dragon Age 2 was they had a system where you were either friends or rivals. So it would be like you could have a positive relationship with someone that deepens or you could have a contentious relationship with someone that deepens where like we're not friends, but we respect each other. You know, and like, and we work together and like those have different vibes and they play out different ways. And I want that level of depth to my relationships. Mm. And I also want the characters that I travel with to have relationships with each other. Because that is something that always bothers me in a game. Where like, oh, we went on this whole mission together and we know each other. And, you know, like I, I, like in Mass Effect 1, right? I went on missions with the same two characters throughout the entire game. And when I get to my friend in Mass Effect 2 who I was talking about earlier who's excited to see me, he should be excited to see our other friend too because he knows that character, right? And the game should remember that they know each other and that they've, they have a bond now, right? Like I want that level of, of depth to not just the world and my ability to make choices, but the characters who follow me, you know? Like I, I want to see us start taking advantage of the technology that we have to not make worlds bigger, but to make them more realized and more intimate. And like to have that immersive sim kind of mentality to a full open world, you know, like that's really what I want, you know? Yeah. I I mean, uh, I love that kind of game too. And I'm, like I said, I'm hoping that Mass Effect becomes that for me as well. Um, But we'll see. 
Right, number two, what is your relationship with smartphones? Do you use whatever you get your hands on or do you pick specific phones, maybe even high-end phones for some of the features that they have? Might be a bit of a random question, but I've recently gotten a Galaxy S21 Ultra because of its camera features. So I'm wondering if you guys care about that side of tech at all. So I, I love technology. I love phones. I love photography. Um, but I only ever use iPhones and I will never ever change. So I have a very limited choice in what phones I can buy every year. There's usually two new ones. And most of the time I just wait. So I recently this year upgraded to a an iPhone 12 from an iPhone 10. Um, so I had that iPhone for like, what, four years? So I, I don't upgrade frequently. I upgrade when my phone is like on its last legs and the battery's dying and I've scratched the screen and I need a new one. Um, I, don't, I don't really care that much. I don't feel like the advancements in technology on phones are enough each year on year to compel me to buy something new. Mm -hmm. And I don't, and the change between iPhone to iPhone it's never different. They are essentially just a metal and glass slab every year that they never look any different. When they changed from like the iPhone 6 to the iPhone 10 and they like went edge to edge with the notch in, then yeah, then I was like, oh, 100% I'm on that. If they do like a foldable phone next year, I'll probably buy that one because I really like the concept of that technology. But I, I don't get excited about like, oh, this camera is slightly sharper than last year's camera because if I, I'm serious and want to go take pictures... I'll take my Sony A7 with some with a bag of lenses, and I'll go take some photos. Yeah, I, I would say I generally agree. Um, I look at my smartphone as just a tool, and I use the tool until it basically like like I've got a, a Pixel uh, three right now, and it's been um, it's been starting to kind of get a little buggy. It's been starting to slow down on me a little bit. So now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about a new phone for the first time uh, since I bought it. You should you should th you should think about an iPhone. That's what you should think about. No, I'm gonna if I get anything, I'm gonna get a <laughs> Galaxy uh, because they got bigger screens and they'll be better for my Xbox. Uh, do you know? Right, I have look, look at this. I have the normal size phone, and look how look how big it looks in my tiny little hand. Because you got little Trump it hands. It's fit yeah i have a tiny little trump pen so it's like i i i held mccauley's big phone and, and they've got the, a slightly bigger one but they really want the like max one now it's too big fit hands i was close to getting the mini i feel like that's probably the right size for me um but no, i just want to go the real estate of the screen it's nice that's what i think that's why i like foldables you know it's like fits in your hand they have when you want to you can like fold it open and you've essentially got a tablet with you i love that concept i hope we can get to the point where that technology is affordable and reliable because seemingly the screens just all break and a trash on those things at some point there's like a big crease down the middle and it's yeah. like i can't i can't deal with that it'll get there uh all right, so last question. Um, this one says, are there any games in your backlog that you really want to get around to but just haven't yet? Which ones? You guys can use this as a re uh, reason to start playing them now. So Link's Awakening was one. So I'm, I'm currently playing that, so I think that counts. And there's also a bunch on, on Switch I fell off. Like Fez, I bought, I played for a couple of hours, fell off, never played it, never finished it. And there's there's a bunch of gaps that we've spoken about before in, in like gaming history that I should go back and fix. Mass Effect was one of them. I've never played a Dragon Age game. I really think you should go and play like Hitman. I know it's not even in your backlog, but it's something that you should like play. And you were talking about like Dungeons and Dragons and that kind of stuff. You really need to go back and play some of the Infinity Engine games and experience like the original Baldur's Gate because I want to play the new is. one. 
Well, play the new one, and you should also play Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin 2, because yeah. those are like modern-day CRPGs, which very much are like Dungeons & Dragons without Dungeons and & Dragons, and Larian are making the new Baldur's Gate, so you get a taste of what it is before playing a buggy mess that Baldur's Gate 3 is at the moment. Um, but yeah, there's nothing really in my backlog that I'm like, oh, I really wish I had time to play this, other than like what I'm playing at the moment. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um I, I guess I guess one game that I would like to get around to but haven't is uh is Days Gone. That's that uh it's the Sony Bend PS4 game. Yeah, that you're never gonna see a sequel to, yeah. Yeah, I, I never got around to it, because um, it kinda got that lukewarm reaction from critics and I just I never took the plunge and um I'd like to. I own it, um, but just never never got around to it, you know? Um one of these days. I yeah. think when I have a gap. I feel like 2020 was good for everyone to catch up on backlogs because it felt like, other than Animal Crossing, there wasn't much that came out for me last year. So it was nice. I could jump on anything that I did want to play and I didn't feel like, oh, I haven't had time to finish this before the next hot thing comes along. Mm. So I very much like finished what I started last year. And the same with you. I know you've finished Persona 5, you've finished Final Fantasy. You got through some big games, which usually... Last of Us Part 2 and Ghost of yeah. Tsushima. And, yeah, it was like you, a pretty busy year. I played a lot of games. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas usually I think you would... It would be like, bam, 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 there's a new game all the time. So it would be like, right, I've got to pause this, go on to the next one. And usually, I mean, at least for me, I like fall off the games. I guess one that that did happen with me was um, Bioshock. I've actually never played Bioshock Infinite. I'm currently playing, I was finished Bioshock 1. I was working through Bioshock 2 to get to Bioshock Infinite. I've never played it. And um, having read about that development, I do really want to play that game because yeah. I'm interested to see some of the stuff that's mentioned in um, in Jason's book. I really want to replay it because, like, I when I was young when I played it, and I don't know that I totally like understood some of the political context of like what was being explored. And like when I read critique on it now, I'm always like, huh? Like, I don't remember that part of the plot that well. You know, so I don't know. You don't know. really take it in, do you? Like, unless you're politically, unless you're like a really politically charged kid, which I don't think exists really. Um, yeah, I mean, you're probably I'm not, not going to take it in. Yeah, I was naive about politics. You know, like I had this very like simplistic look at at what politics were at that time. You know, I was like probably eighteen, nineteen when that game came out. I think you know, like I was. I so was, you didn't buy into the libertarian dream that was Rapture. And going and I escaping mean, the country and then going underseas to start your own city and own world. I feel like that game really is like a ringing indictment of that. You know? It's like, it no, is, don't yeah. do it. <laughs> it won't work out. Uh, so uh, Osobi wrapped up the email saying, also, I just want to say thanks for doing the podcast and to everyone else in the Loot Pots community who's always active in the channel and has uh, has hour-long discussions about random topics like 1UP Mango, Cronia, Snackago, and all the others. I really appreciate this whole community. Best, Asobi. Well, we appreciate you being a part of it, Asobi, and we appreciate everybody who uh, tunes in and listens to the show, comes and has the conversations with us. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without you. So thank you so much for coming in, yeah. being a part of it, and rocking and rolling with us. Um, yeah, so thanks for writing in, everybody. 
Uh, remember, if you want to write in with your thoughts on this or you know any other episode of the show, you can hit me up at peteatloopots.com. You can come join the Discord uh, that Asobi just so uh, nicely shouted out and come join our Potscast channel where you can submit questions for the show. Um, yeah, come be a part of it. Come connect with us. Come check out what we're doing. We're doing lots of fun stuff, and uh, we'd love for you to come and be a part of it. All right, so what a show, Steve. We did it. It was a long one, but we did it. Really long. Are you, are you glad we cut the rest of the news? <laughs> Absolutely glad we cut the rest of the news. And, you know, I didn't realize how much you'd have to say or how much I would have to say about Mass Effect. And that's that's on me. That's that was thought. on you. Yeah. Because yeah, at first you were like, me. oh, maybe we don't talk about what we're playing this week. We'll save it for next week. We that's gotta... why. That's why I wasn't going to talk about what we're playing this week. Because I knew I was only coming with negativity towards Mass Effect. And, and I was like, like, you brought it up. kept it. And, like, I was ready to get off it, and then you were like, oh, and this thing. And I was like, all right, okay. You know? <laughs> but uh, but it, it was a good one. Thanks, thanks everybody, for joining us. Uh, we'll catch you next week for another episode of the podcast. Go follow us wherever you do the thing, and you know how to do the social media. We'll catch you next week, babies. Peace.